The Melbourne AA Steps Weekend, 2009. Here's Susan, sharing on Step 3. Hi everybody, I'm Susan and I'm an alcoholic. My home group is Breakfast with Bill in St Kilda and uh, my sobriety date's the 14th of January 2008. Um, I've been asked to talk about Step 3, which is actually my new... ah. You know, it's my relief that I get, which is the same relief that I used to get um, at once from taking a drink. And um, But now I get that same relief from turning my life and my will over to the care of God each day. Um, you know, I had to become convinced um, that my life run on self-will uh, would not be a success. Um, you know, and that took some convincing. And, um, you know, my sponsor helped me with that. She did it in a loving way, but at the time it didn't seem like it. And we we looked back into my life and um, and saw the mess that I'd made and uh, that my life had not been a success. You know, I'd picked up a drink at the age of 14 and uh, and it was my solution. It, uh, it gave me that relief from the confusing, lonely, you know, um, lacking direction, purpose, um, life, you know, that I, that I, that was rolling around in my head and I got relief straight away from a drink. And so I went to daily use straight away and, um, you know, and it, and it got me into life and I didn't feel quite so alone and life wasn't so confusing and it gave me a group of people to hang around with and something to do and, you know, and it was my solution. Um, so, but by the time I was, you know, about 18, um, Life was spiralling a bit out of control and I thought, you know, there's got to be more to life than this. And that confusion and that, you know, isolation and lack of direction had, you know, come back again. And so I, you know, left the big city that I'd grown up in and ended up in a very small fisherman's town, remote Queensland. And, um, you know, and that, and that worked for a while again, you know, the new environment and the... Uh, copious amounts of alcohol that you drink in a fishing town at working as a barmaid um you know that it worked again that hole inside of me that's confusion and isolation you know disappeared for a while and a couple of years later it you know it would start to come back again and so I would move town again and uh the new environment and new people and you know always running never having contact with anybody I was on my own always and um and then um you know and uh, Eventually, you know, in about my mid-twenties that it was pointed out to me my drinking wasn't normal and uh, I didn't get it. You know, I, they pointed out that drinking seven, you know, ten hours every night was not normal and uh, I didn't understand it. I was thirsty. You know, I truly was thirsty. At midnight after drinking for seven hours, I would be thirsty. I'd be craving that drink and uh, and... You know, life, I just, I didn't get it. I didn't, didn't, I thought I wanted to drink. I thought I liked being wasted. I didn't realise that I needed to be drinking to, to function. And, uh, you know, life rolled on and, but, um, I did very well in a career and I settled in a town for, you know, six years was just extraordinary for me to live in the same town for six years. But in my mid, early thirties, um, that hole inside of me started to really grow and become overwhelming. That feeling of isolation, the lo- you know, loneliness, the, uh, um, there's something really wrong with me. It was a big gaping hole inside of me, the confusion and lack of purpose. And what is the point to life? Why don't I get it? 
was my cry. It's like, I just don't get it. And um, so again, once again, I quit my job and I left the town. I left my partner and um, thinking that that's what was wrong with me. It never occurred to me that it was actually the drinking. I thought that I still thought that was what was my friend and that was my solution and that made me okay. Um, so I moved back to the big city and, um, you know, the drinking became, without a job or a partner, um, became a daily morning, noon and night. Um, it was a carton of beer, a carton of cider with, and I was, it just wasn't working. So I was adding vodka to my stubbies and it was just, it was day, morning, noon and night, as I say, that I was drinking and it just wasn't working for me anymore. That loneliness, that, that, that hole that never, I didn't fit in anywhere. I couldn't work out what, where my place was or what life was about and what I was meant to be doing in it. And, um, you know, I was introduced to um, methamphetamines and that was my new solution. I got that ah uh, again. You know, that filled that gaping hole. It, uh, it, the loneliness went away, the, you know, the, the despair. It gave me a purpose again. Um, I felt like I fitted into a crowd again and I was okay. Um, but of course, you know, it didn't take very long and the arrests started and uh, the skipping town started, the uh, living in crappy boarding houses, not being able to use my real name, you know, and that, that, that despair and hopelessness really kicked in that I didn't have a place. I was now, you know, an outcast in my community and I, I didn't fit in anywhere and nobody would have me and I, I didn't feel worthy of it and I could and I discovered though at that time that I couldn't stop even when I really, really wanted to. And that that in itself gave me a whole nother level of helplessness. You know, it's like why can't I want to stop? If I could just have a break, I'd be okay. And it would all be alright and I would work out what's wrong with me and it's but I just couldn't I couldn't stop. And uh, you know that that I tried over and over for a couple of years, you know, wanting to stop, and I couldn't stop. Um, and as I say, my life, you know, crappy boarding houses, waking up crying by then. I was so alone. I had no family, no friends. I hadn't been able to work for five years. Um, miserable. I'd never been so miserable. I remember that hopelessness, that hell, and I didn't know what was wrong with me. I didn't know how to fix it. And I cried out one day that I um, that I needed to change, and uh, and I didn't know how to change, and I needed help to do it. And from that moment, life started to change. You know, I got myself out of that last crappy boarding house and into a women's refuge. Um, and as you can see, I made a you know a real dandy job at running my life. And um, you know, that's what was pointed out to me by my sponsor. You know, that that's me running the show, running my life, managing my own life, got me that. You know, I was 37 years of age and i that was my life. And, yeah, it still really touches me, the mess that I made running my life. Um, okay, um, so I became convinced that running my life didn't work, um, that I was barely functioning as a human being. And that was the reality. I was wanted by police, you know. I couldn't work. I had no friends. I had no family. You know, that is, that's not a life. Um, it's barely survival. Um, so, you know, I came into the fellowship and uh, I started to do meetings and I started to listen. But, you know, it took me many months of doing meetings and 
becoming convinced, you know, that I was powerless. It took me many months to actually admit that I was powerless, you know, and that my life was unmanageable. I, you know, I can't, it seems weird that I, it took so long for me when that was the picture of my life, you know, but it did. It took many months of smashing that delusion, you know, that, um, that me, money, me, running, me managing my own life was going to work, you know. And that was a smashing blow to my ego, you know, and that's what took so long, that ego deflation that they talk about in this fellowship. And it took me, I had a lot of pride. You know, there were lots there were times in my life when I owned homes and had careers and travelled. And, you know, I saw all of that. I thought I was an intelligent person. And I thought that this, my capacity, my capabilities and my intelligence wouldn't, I could do this. You know, I could work life out. Everybody else is managing. Why can't I? Well, you know, when I finally admitted that I was powerless over alcohol um, and I couldn't manage my own life. And so, you know, I started to see the other people in the, in the fellowship who were, had some happiness and some usefulness and they were sober and they said that a higher power, you know, was the main ingredient to their sobri- happy, sober life. And, you know, they weren't lying to me and uh, they weren't joking and, uh, you know, I had to come to believe that, you know, a power, perhaps a power greater than me could help me as well. And, you know, that took, as I say, many months to sort of get through those first couple of steps. And, um, you know, and then again, you know, to come up to saying, well, I'm going to decide to hand my life over to this God I don't know, because I have no, no spiritual concepts, no religious connections. I had no idea what God did, what God's role was in people's lives. And, um, so I, um, uh, but I, you know, I got to the point where I had no choice, <laughs> I think, was uh, the, I, be, I believed the people in the room when they said that a higher power did it for them and when they, and that they took the third step and that they c- continued on. And I looked at where, how my life had turned out and my life, and I still wasn't getting any better, you know, inside of me. Sure, the outsides were looking a little bit better. I had a flat at least. You know, and I was uh, staying out of jail and, um, you know, that was about it. But, uh, you know, the inside was not getting any better. I was still shaking with anxiety. I was still picking up a drink every week or two and um, for that relief. And um, and so I, I had no choice in the end, I believe, that it was either die an alcoholic or pick up the spiritual tools of this program. And they start, you know, with step three. And um, so I made that decision that I would become willing. You know, it was about the willingness. I became willing. I didn't make a decision. I became willing. I became willing to take direction. I became willing to work the rest of the steps. I became willing to, um, to ask for help. I became willing to open my mind up and my heart and get a bit vulnerable and start being honest. And I, I just became willing to give it a go and to let go and to stop managing my own life, stop making plans, stop making decisions, stop rationalising and make, trying to make sense of it all and just let go, you know, and put my faith in a higher power that I don't know, I didn't know, I still don't know, um, and put my faith in the people that have gone before me, put my faith in this book that was handed to me that millions of people have recovered using. And, you know, after doing, as I say, many months of meetings, this stuff, I became, I couldn't argue with this stuff anymore. And so I made the decision, you know, to turn my will and my life over. 
And that's where my relief comes. You know, wow, I don't have to run the show. I don't have to manage. I don't have to understand. I don't have to make sense of it. I don't have to work it all out. I don't have to make anybody do anything. I don't have to do anything except, you know, turn up at meetings, read the literature, work the rest of the steps, pray, meditate. You know, there's not a lot I have to do in my life today. Everything else falls into place for me. Um, it's a wonderful thing. It's such a relief. I'll get, you know, I'll wake up some mornings with a bit of crisis or, you know, a bit of anxiety and it's all, oh God, it's so serious, you know, and, and I've got to work this out and it's, oh, that's right. No, hang on. Sit down. What do I have to do? I have to pray. Okay. I say the third step prayer. I offer myself to God. You know, relieve me of the bondage of self. Take away my difficulty so I can help people. And uh, what a beautiful way to start the day. You know, I'll go for my walk and I'll do my meditation. And if that crisis is still bugging, still trying to have a go at me, still trying to latch on, you know, I'll go back to what that other willingness, you know, I became willing to ask for help. I became willing to get honest with a sponsor. So I'll ring my sponsor and I'll say, hey, my head's going crazy. You know, that's all part of my step three, that I'm, I'm take, I make a decision to turn my will and my life over. You know, God talks through people as well for me. And sometimes if I'm still so caught up in the crisis and the fear and myself that I block, block God out from me, my, the path to God. So I can't really get through. So that's where I need other people and, and they're very important to my life. Um, and then I can relax, you know. It's like, okay, I, what do I need to do? And I, I, it's really simple. That's where I, I'm sort of repeating myself now because it's got that simple. It's not a big complicated thing for me, step three anymore. I've got to get out of the way. I've got to take direction. And I've got to turn to my higher power and ask for guidance. Um, and it's not, you know, it's not on my outcome. I've worked, I don't know what's best for me. That was the other thing I had to let go of. I don't know what's best for me. I don't know what's right. And uh, we could tell by the way my life ended up, you know. And, uh, and geez, my life. By turning my will and my life over, um, I can't believe how good my life is, you know. Uh, it's just extraordinary. Um, I, I work three days a week, you know. I have... I have sponsees and I love reading the book with other people. Um, I go to meetings. You know, I do, I do, I get to 45 minutes in meditation every day. I get to walk on the beach every day. Um, you know, um, I have friends. That's, you know, blows me. I've never managed to have a friend, friendships. And, uh, you know, this, I have a cat. I get to spend Sundays at home. I like being at home alone. You know, I mean, I couldn't have planned this if I tried, you know. It's like I had no idea what's good for me, and I love it. Life's good. Um, life's good sober, which is an extraordinary idea. When I first came in, I, I 23 years I drank every single day, you know, and to, uh, to think that I could live without alcohol, but not just live without alcohol, but live a really good, happy life, you know. It's a, a beautiful thing. I, I hope I never forget how to, you know, the spiritual tools of this program because I work them each day and, and they give me peace. They give me, I feel content, I feel gratitude, I, I, I have calm moments, I, I have joy. I wake up and go, how fucking good is this, you know? What's, I've never felt like that in my life. 
how fucking good is this? So, you know, I'm really happy to be a member of AA and I hope everyone in this room grabs a hold of it, makes that decision that everyone who has a happy, sober life made, you know, and, uh, you know, thy will, not mine, be done. Thanks. This share and other shares like it are available from our website, stepsweekend.aagroup.org.au. Thanks for letting us share.